March 16, 2020 was a big day for me. It's a day I've been looking forward to for a couple of months. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm in, I'm in commercial real estate here in Spokane. Kind of got there in a roundabout way. I was the kids pastor here, actually, from 2012 to 2017. 2017, I transitioned out of that role and into real estate. It seemed like a good idea at the time. It was kind of the, I felt like the right next chapter in the Meacham family story. And uh, so I, I jumped into real estate. Started selling houses for a couple years. It was all right. It wasn't my favorite thing to do, but it, I was learning, right? And, but I'd always had my heart set and my mindset on uh, commercial properties. I love the big stuff. You walk in and I'm nerding out, forgive me, but you know, I just, I love, I love big buildings. I love big office buildings and, and it's a lot of fun. I love working with business people. So I tried, I tried starting a commercial division at the residential brokerage that I was working at. It just, it didn't work. And a big part of it was I had no clue what I didn't know. And then I didn't know who to ask. Like I was I was outside of my depth. I had no idea what I was doing. So I started looking around. And, you know, I talked to several people. I, uh, I uh, thought about, oh, maybe I'll start my own thing. Maybe I'll kind of shift careers a little or shift my, my trajectory down this career a little bit. And uh, through that time, I met a guy who very quickly became a mentor and a really close friend of mine, uh, a guy named Jeff. And Jeff is a guy who's been there. He's done that. He bought the t-shirt. And he taught everybody else how to do it. And on top of that, him and his wife are just amazing, Jesus-loving people. Like, this is the kind of guy that I want to be around. So after several conversations with Jeff, a lot of conversations with my wife, Lauren, and talking to other mentors around uh, that I had around me, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this step. And I switched companies to go to work for the company where Jeff was the president. March 16th, 2020. It's my start day. And I was jacked. I was so excited. I got there a little earlier than everybody else, so I couldn't get in because I didn't have my key yet. And so signed the contract, got my keys to the building, found where my office was going to be, figured out parking downtown, and that's a different story altogether. Um, and met a lot of the other brokers in the office, and every one of them just, like, I'm like, holy cow, I'm in, this is like the big leagues. You know, it, these guys are so much more experienced than I am. And, but every single one of them, just, just good people. You know, I was so excited to be there. March 17th, 2020, the scientific name for it is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, COVID-19. Everybody went home. I set up shop in the storage room next to the furnace, and which was fine, not a super in inspiring workspace. And then once my kids found out I was working from home, it was game over. I love my children. You know, I got hired to be an office broker specifically, office buildings, office spaces, leasing, sales, development, that kind of a thing. The property type that got the most severe restrictions placed on it throughout the pandemic, office buildings. So I'm working on filling up my sales pipeline. I'm working on, you know, doing all the things you're supposed to do. I'm making phone calls. I'm knocking on doors. I'm doing all of this. You know who's working in the office? Nobody. You know who's answering the phone? Nobody. I went to the biggest office building in Spokane. It's one of my favorite buildings. I was actually in there just a couple of days ago. 19 stories tall, right in the heart of downtown. I went all the way to the top. 
and I knocked on every single door all the way down. 19 floors, over 330,000 square feet of office space. Not a single person there. What did I do? At the start of this whole thing, I don't know if you remember this or not, but all the talk was, it was going to be a couple of weeks. We'll figure out what's causing this. We'll figure out how it's spreading. We'll figure out how to stop it. It'll be just a couple of weeks. Okay, I can, I can do that. I can slow down for just a couple. I was bummed because I was excited, but I can, I can be patient for a couple of weeks. Well, then the weeks started adding up and started piling up. And as time wore on, doubt definitely started to creep in. Anybody else ever been there? What's going on right now? I started questioning everything. What did I do? What am I doing? I could have stayed selling houses. Houses were still moving. Not only that, as soon as I left residential real estate, we started the fastest and most aggressive growth trajectory in market value in our market's history. And I walked away from that. The housing market is absolutely bananas. If you've tried to buy a house in the last like 18 months, I'll just, sorry. You know, that's really all I can say. The next question that popped into my head is, now what? What do I do? One thing to know about my family also, I love my family, is big. We bring the party with us wherever we go. Lauren and I have five incredible, fun, crazy, food-dependent kids. We've got four girls and a boy, Ellie, Nora, Emma, Leland, and Tessa, ages 13 down to two and a half. They're a lot of fun. It's loud at my house all the time. Uh, You know, the one thing that they don't tell you before you have kids is they're expensive. And the bigger that they get, they get more expensive. They eat a lot. And the bigger they get, they eat more. And they're growing like weeds. It's like, I just bought you those shoes like three weeks ago. Yeah, but look at my feet. They're, my toes are turning blue. My goodness. Okay, let's go buy another pair of shoes. They're expensive. And they get involved in so much more. Two of my kids are going to middle school camp. And I cannot wait to hear what God does in and through them. But it costs money to send them to middle school camp, right? And as they get bigger, they get involved in more and more and more. Around this time, I get an email from the owner of the company. This was uh, Jeff's boss outlining for me all of the crazy things that had ever happened in his career. Mount St. Helens erupting, kind of put a pause on things. Multiple recessions, the 1980s in general. He was actually in New York City on 9-11 when the planes hit the towers. He was supposed to have a meeting there that morning, and they didn't make it. And he ended that email by saying, Devin, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was encouraged. You know, those of you that know me, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. I'm a raging optimist. Uh, No idea is a bad idea, no matter how awful that idea is. We'll find some good, hey, oh, oh, that would be cool. And then I'll go down a rabbit trail and I'll run it all out. It's like, nah, I probably shouldn't do that. You know, but there's no such thing as a bad idea. This, this was getting to me. Jesus, I don't know if you remember But you and I talked about this before I made this decision, and I kind of felt like we were on the same page. What is happening right now? I'm I'm stuck. You ever been in a spot like that? 
Like the only thing that you can think of is this sucks, right? This sucks. James steps in as a guide for us when we're sitting in a stuck spot like that. He was originally writing to the Jewish Christians at the time who were being persecuted for being Christians. And not just like they unfollowed you on Instagram or they left you a mean comment or sent you another email as to why the guy you voted for is actually the Antichrist. I mean, this was, this was like livelihoods destroyed, families torn apart, thrown in jail, people murdered because they followed Jesus and they believed in Jesus. So they scattered all around the world. So that was his audience. Let's see what he had to say. James chapter one. This letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes. It's the 12 tribes of Israel. Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Okay, hang on, hang on for just a second. When I'm having a hard time and somebody quotes a Bible verse like this to me, I want to poke them in the eye. Honestly, I'd be like, you know, I, I don't think that's actually in the Bible. You know, you're, you're making that up. But what do you know? Here it is. Let's keep going. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Does this sound like a pep talk at the gym to anybody else? I mean, you got the big rip guy up front telling you how much fun pain is right? I mean, this does not sound fun to me, but let's, let's look at this though. I want to dive in here. Something to point out here is he talks, about, he talks about joy, but he talks about how this is a choice. We have a choice to make. It's an opportunity for joy. Really, it's optional. In verse two, James writes that when troubles of any kind come our way, any kind, you lose a job, you choose joy. The economy is crashing. Choose joy. Gas prices cost $100 to fill up the minivan the other day. Choose joy. You're in a marriage that's on the rocks and there's looks like there's no hope of restoration. Choose joy. As much as we love our children, summer vacation's about to start, or it has started, and any semblance of routine around the house has just gone up in a ball of flame, right? Choose joy. Maybe you just caught your teenager doing drugs or in a relationship that they shouldn't be in. Choose joy. Your toddler just destroyed your house that you spent all day cleaning. Choose joy. I mean like an entire roll of toilet paper in the toilet and then flushing type of destroy. Choose joy. Maybe it's a stupid argument with your spouse that neither of you can even remember how it started. Choose joy. Consider it an opportunity for joy. This is so hard for me. You know what's easy? Pouting. Grumbling. Complaining. Getting grumpy. Snapping at my kids. The silent treatment. Just not talking anymore. That's, that's what's easy. We have a choice here. He doesn't say to fake it until you make it. He doesn't say if it's hard, joy is going to be an automatic for you. He says, consider it an opportunity and not just to paste a fake smile on your face, 
but to choose great joy. If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. Choose joy. And here's why. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Again, we have a choice. We can choose to lean in. We can choose joy. We can choose to grow. Or we can choose not to. The choice is ours. I know for me personally, I will not be fully developed and reach this level of perfection that he's talking about here until I'm standing with Jesus in heaven. I know that because I know me. I also know that that means that there's going to be more hard times in the future. There's going to be more, more opportunities to choose joy. There's going to be more opportunities for growth. I hate that phrase. No, this is an opportunity for growth. Shut up. I hate that. This is encouraging. Choose great joy. This all starts with getting your mind right. Choose joy. But again, if you're anything like me, got my mind right, I still have no clue what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what not to say, which is usually where I get myself in trouble. I can believe it all day long and still make an absolute mess of things. Now what? What do I do now? Well, he talks about that. Let's keep going. Verse five. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. This is incredible. Need wisdom? You're going through a hard time. You don't know what to do? Ask for help. That's it. The easiest context for me to put this into is with my kids. Because there's a thousand of them. And so like my nine-year-old daughter comes to me and says, Daddy, I don't know what to do. I could use some help. I'm not going to look at her and be like, how dare you? You know what I mean? How dare you? How dare you ask for, for help with something that you're not good at that maybe I am? No. I'm a sucker for my kids. I'm like, oh yeah, what do you need? Anything, right? And God does the same thing with us. He's a generous God. You ask him. Take two seconds to ask for wisdom before walking into the conference room. You take two seconds to ask for wisdom before you're, you pick your kids up from school. God, I need wisdom. Ask for wisdom before you're walking in the door after a hard day of work. Your family's on the other side. They're gonna be, your kids are going to be excited to see you. Jesus, give me wisdom right now. I need your wisdom. Ask for wisdom before answering the phone when that guy is calling you. We all know who that guy is. Jesus, give me wisdom. I need your wisdom right now. Ask. Ask him. Now, there's a really powerful thing that, that he says here that I want, to, I, want to, I want you to hear it again because there might be someone in the room that may not believe that this is actually true. It says this, he will give it to you. You may be in the room right now and you have no clue what it's like to get a free gift from somebody who loves you completely. You've got no idea. But let me tell you again, if you have faith in Jesus, you're going through a hard time and you ask for help, he will give it to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you think you deserve it or not. He will give it to you. He cares about you. He loves you. He will give it to you. Ask him. But when you ask him, continuing on, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. A few years ago, my dad, my brother-in-law, and I got to go on a deep-sea fishing trip off the Washington coast. I'd never been. I'd always wanted to go. Surprise, I was excited. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I love boats. I love the ocean. Love the idea of the ocean. And so we get over there. It's a long drive to get over there. Get a little bit of sleep. Get up, eat a Pop-Tart. We're down to check in at the boats at like 4.30 in the morning. I'm, looking, I'm checking all the boats out like a kid in a candy store. I, just, I, I love boats. We get on. We're floating through the harbor, heading out to sea. And I overhear the captain say something to the deckhand along the lines of, we'll just keep an eye on it, and then we'll decide. He was talking about the weather. I have never been more sick in my entire life. At one point, my brother-in-law and I are in the cabin of the boat, uh, which is the worst spot to be if you're seasick, by the way. Didn't know that. Uh, with like our heads down on the table or our head in between our legs. I'm, I'm sure there's at least one picture of this floating around somewhere. Again, you don't want your head down on a table. A big no-no. You want to be outside. It, we're on this 40-foot boat in the middle of the ocean, and it feels like we're getting thrown around like a bath toy. It was insane. I did not know that it was physically possible to move in every single direction at the same time. It was absolutely crazy. Then my mind starts going crazy. Do you know what's underneath us right now? Whales. They're bigger than this boat. What if one of those whales is grumpy right now? What if he's just feeling playful? What if he's in a great mood? I am going to die. I didn't. Surprise. We're out there all day. I'm puking over the side of the boat all day. I did catch a couple fish. You know, we, we get back to the harbor. Everything starts calming down. We're floating back, starting to feel better. Actually, a little bit conversational. Okay, we can do this. Get off on the dock on solid ground. I kid you not, my dad can vouch for me in this. The first thing out of my mouth, I could do this again. Does that make any sense at all? And after throwing up all day, the second thing out of my mouth, hey, is that a barbecue place? It made no sense. It made no sense whatsoever. And as completely blown as my head was on that day, that's exactly what it's like when we ask for God for wisdom, but don't actually believe that he will come through. What is the point in even asking at all? I get sucked into this. I'll pray, I'll ask God for help, say a quick amen, and then immediately start brainstorming and strategizing on what I need to do to fix whatever's wrong. What's the point in even asking? It's like, I want help, but I'm also creating a contingency plan just in case, right? James spells it out like this. Such people, Devin, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. If we're going to ask for help, we need to actually have faith that God will do what he says he will do. We have to have faith that he is faithful, that the God of the universe who created everything in a moment has never changed and is true to his word. Otherwise, we shouldn't expect anything from him at all. Now, you might be in the room right now 
and you actually don't even have a relationship with Jesus, this conversation is not going to mean a whole lot to you, honestly. It's when we put our faith in Jesus that all of this makes sense. It's when we, all of a sudden, we realize that life is so much bigger than me. When troubles come my way and hard times come, no matter what that hard time is, I can choose joy because of my relationship with Jesus. When I have no clue what to say, when I'm walking into a hard conversation with a client, with my wife, with one of my kids, I can ask for help and I can expect God to provide that help and to give me wisdom because of my relationship with Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus is the foundation that all of this is built on. We can talk more about that later. What I love about this next group of verses in James chapter one is that it shows that God does not play favorites with his people. If you believe in him, you belong to him, period. Let's read verses nine through 11. Believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. Those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. What James does here is he completely levels the the playing field by our standards. You know, it's funny in our American way of thinking, especially now, especially right now, any any money, any number of followers, any notoriety or fame or success or anything like that really almost creates a false sense of security or protection against pain, against hard times. But that's not what happens, is it? So we can go from completely broke to having a little bit of money in our savings account. And that didn't make marriage conflict any easier. Does having money make it easier when your kid won't call you back? Does having money make it easier when the doctor calls you to tell you the cancer's back? Does having people recognize you when you walk down the street make it easier when a loved one passes away? Whether you expect it or not. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have. We can't take what we have with us anyway when we die. James says that it'll all fade away. The one thing in common between the rich and the poor in this passage is this, is that both can boast in what God has done and what God is doing, and that's it. Hard times are hard times. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money, if you don't have any money at all, if you're scrat, you know, scraping the bottom of the cupboard just to eat something, or you're going to have steaks after, after church or whatever. It doesn't matter. Hard times are hard times. Whether you have money or not, it doesn't matter. Choose joy. Ask for wisdom. Have faith. And what happens then? I have the choice to choose joy. I have the choice to ask for help. I can choose whether or not I'm going to have faith and actually believe that Jesus is going to do what he says he will. But why go through all that trouble? That's, that's hard work. It is so much easier to complain, to write a post, to whine, 
or to even try to drown whatever the problem is in the bottom of a bottle. Let me read this last verse to you. Verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Let me read that again. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's why. That's why we do it. That's why we push through. That's why we choose joy. That's why we, we work hard to just to have faith and trust that God is who he says he is. That's why we ask for wisdom. He blesses those who patiently endure. You may be in the room right now and life is beating you up. You don't know which way is up. It is so hard to choose joy. So hard. You may be in the room and you have no clue what to do. You know you need to do something. You know you need to say something. You have no idea what to do. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but something that we said today is hitting deep. This that we just read, this is a promise that we can hold on to. God promises his blessing if we patiently endure. Now that blessing, that's going to look different for everybody. Every single person, it's going to look different. That blessing may be a restored relationship. There's finally breakthrough in communication and there's healing in a relationship. It could be a physical healing that the doctors have no idea how to describe or how to explain what just happened. It could be the opportunity to finally feel like you're providing for your family. It could be the opportunity to, to give back, to provide a legacy. God will bless us if we patiently endure. It almost feels selfish to ask for, doesn't it? It does to me. But God so wants to bless his people. Choose joy, ask for wisdom, have faith, and endure. Would you stand with me right now? I want to read this verse one more time. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. We're going to have our team up here to pray with you this morning. You know, sometimes the, like the best first step when you're going through a hard time is to talk to somebody about it. Let us pray with you. It doesn't matter how big or how small that hard time is. Could have been a flat tire on the way to church. Could have been the loss of a loved one. Let us pray with you. God designed us to be in relationship with each other. Don't try and carry this hard time, whatever it is. Don't try and carry that alone. God loves you. We love you. Let us pray with you. That may make you a little uneasy or nervous or whatever. 
So maybe you just, you write it on your connect card and when you put it in the box and then someone can call you this week and pray with you over the phone. Let us pray for you. Let us talk to you. Let us be the church. Let's do this together. God loves you. Choose joy. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much that you see us. God, you see us in the hard times. You see us in the pain. You see us in the the junk. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to get our eyes up, that you would give us the the courage to step out, to, to choose joy. God, as hard as that is, to choose joy. God, that we would have faith that you will do what you promise. That when we ask for help, you are generous and you provide and you will give it to us. And that you promise to bless us if we endure. God, we hold on to that right now. Some of us, that's all we have to hold on to. God, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.